Welcome to the Dirt Reporters Podcast for the week of August 17th. I'm your host, Swab Derek Kessinger. I'm joined by the editorial staff of Kevin Kovac and Robert Holman. And guys, this is my first three-way ever on this show, Kovac. It's pretty exciting. Oh, yeah, it is very exciting for you. A little uh, <laughs> threesome here for, for D-Swab. Uh, with one missing with with Kyle and, and Todd unable to or, or Todd double unable to make it but uh, yeah you're an experienced guy you have to you can figure it out right oh yeah for sure I'm very experienced in uh, three ways obviously but uh JD is kind of making this boring Kovac dominant again at the north south won a prelim night on Friday then leads all 100 laps had a little uh close call at the end when Brandon Overton got close in the final handful of laps Nonetheless, J.D. is $75,000 richer. He's kind of just, you know, separated him from the field a little bit, especially when Madden, you know, broke that opening lap. J.D. is just fast. It's boring. It's no fun anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, two straight weeks that he's led every lap, too. Uh, although Cedar Lake, you could say, you know, he, he was passed a couple times. You know, Tyler Herb did, like, shoot by him with some sliders but didn't actually lead a lap. Uh, that's kind of... Hey, that's not something we want to be seeing here. All all these uh, flag to flag race wins. I know we we talked about it in fast talk a little bit this week. Uh, it's a third straight crown jewel that's been uh, flag to flag. You, you include uh, include Brandon Shepard's win there at the Prairie Dirt Classic. So uh, you know that's a that's quite a. You don't usually see that. I mean, unlike a, we look back on the on the on some stats, and you're not going to see three straight crown jewels. Uh, you know, uh, be, be flag to flaggers, but, uh, let's not press, we're not going to press the, you know, the, the panic button yet. It's just, man, Davenport just seems like he's just so he's confident he's in control, you know, he, and he's such a technical, like, you know, smart race car driver where he knows, uh, I mean, he has some help there, obviously from his crew chief, uh, Jason Durham, who's, I mean, it, it's important. Like Jonathan's talked about how important it is to have a crew chief out there. That's, uh, you know, just giving you those little signals to kind of clue you in on uh, what's coming behind you to, when you're leading. It's tough to to know how that racetrack is changing. And, and Florence did change as the race went on. Uh, Brandon Overton was able to make a little move towards him at the end, close the gap. And Jonathan just moved up just enough to to break his momentum, sort of what he did with uh, with Chris Madden the week before at the USA Nationals. You know, he... Uh, Madden got close there towards the end in those last 10 laps. And, and Jonathan just made a little, you know, subtle move up the track and, and broke uh, uh, Madden's momentum, did the same thing again with the uh, Overton. He, he just knows that when you're a great race car driver, you're able to kind of sense that, I guess, you know, like those guys have a six, six sense on them and, and they make the right moves at the right time. And, and when everything's going your way, like it is for Jonathan right now, man, it's incredible. He's over $1.6 million now in earnings. Uh, you know, you just throw out that $1 million win at, at Eldor, and he's still, I mean, it's still $600,000 uh, that he's already topped. I mean, he would have a shot. Probably, he, he might have a shot of a $2 million season if he can just keep ripping off these wins. I mean, there'll be at least one. He has Dirt Track World Championship for a hundred grand left, and uh, you know, he can go out to Vegas or later in the year and, and go for what, 80,000 with a double there, you know? So, I mean, he has a lot of big wins, a lot, a lot of big money left. So uh, maybe we, maybe he gets 2 million. Maybe that's the, that's the, that's the chase for the end of the year. That'll keep everything interesting. Yeah. That'll be a cool storyline to think about here in the next few months as we wind down the 2022 season. Can he get 
to that $2 million mark. I even asked him uh, in the post-race interviews, I was like, when you're riding this wave, how awesome does it feel when, you know, you get you unload the car, you qualify fast, you just got to keep riding this wave. He's like, Swab, you have no idea how badass you can just go to the racetrack and you're that confident in my car. He actually said he could go all over the place. And he said if he had to go up top there to pass those lap cars, which he did pretty flawlessly, it was pretty easy because his car could go anywhere. It was very maneuverable. So that was a pretty cool uh, nugget he gave me post-race interview. Robert, your just thoughts on JD's dominance. We'll get to other topics after this, but I got to ask you, man, this is pretty freaking unbelievable what he's doing right now. Friday night after he won his prelim, I'm like, hey, you think this season's better than your 2015 season so far? You said, no. I don't think so. We still have a lot of races to check off our list. He did tonight, or he did last weekend with another North-South title. So he's definitely licking his chops. He really wants to win this weekend at Batesville. Uh, yeah, he, he definitely uh, has that uh, in his sights with uh, with his you know car owner and stuff being from from Batesville with uh, Landers and stuff. So you can you compare it to Moyer and Bloomquist and the stuff that they they did back in their heyday. Uh, I think we're going to look back probably at, you know, that 2015 season and look back at, at this season and, and say, you know, those are the, those are Hall of Fame type seasons. And, and, and those are the, the types of seasons that, you know, put him in the conversation up there with with, you know, some of the best uh, dirt late bottle drivers probably going to be in the history of our sport. When you have seasons like that, you have to kind of be in the conversation at least. Right. Oh, yeah, for sure. I was actually talking to that with my dad on the way down there because he loves dirt late model racing just as much as the next guy that goes to dirt on dirt. He was saying, this guy still has 10 years left available that he can still dominate. He could easily go down as one of the greatest of all time. With his Eldora track record, 10 more years there, he could have double-digit like wins at Eldora. So he definitely has a bright future as a great race team for now. But, Robert, you've been in this industry for a long time. Kovac says don't hit the panic button just yet but firecracker 100 t-mac leads all 100 laps only one lead change at the dirt late model dream for two laps um prairie dirt classic north south cedar lake no lead changes in the last 380 laps of crown jewels there's only been one lead change mike marler i asked him he said it's kind of turning into the irock series maybe we have to switch it up a little bit he thinks maybe the tires we're running isn't very helpful are we is this a cause of concern for fans and late models watching this when they go to a crown jewel we ain't going to see the lead change. I don't, I don't think it is yet. Uh, I think that uh, kind of like I had mentioned in fast talk, there were a lot of crown jewels that I've been to where there were no lead changes. Now, granted, I think that, that this is an eye opener because it's happened consecutively. It's happened here for two or three races in a row at different venues. So, so that I think is kind of maybe the thing that, 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 um, makes people say, Hey, what, or maybe makes us say, Hey, what's going on. Um, but you also have to, you know, look back and like I said, in fast talk, you know, years ago, we didn't have social media. We didn't have this kind of media coverage to kind of really spotlight what's going on. There were, and there were a lot of races I went to at Eldora that were flag to flag, you know, yawners uh the the uh the heat races i I said for years at eldora were always the best the the best show that to me that was the the 
one of the biggest reasons I went, you know, to the World 100 because those heats were so good for so long. And uh, and then you sometimes you get to that race and, and you'd only have one lead change and you're like, eh, so-and-so led the last 75 laps or so-and-so led the last 83 laps or whatever. So it's not like it's it's never happened before. I think what hap- what the thing is now is that there's a, kind of a spotlight on it because of social media, because of the great media coverage that we have. And uh, I'm sorry, I was got distracted with with Kovacs cleaning lady just came in. <laughs> Sorry about that, Kevin. Uh, so uh, anyway, you know, I think that, uh, that I really did get distracted, Kevin. I mean, what's going on? I've got to ask Kevin, what is going on with your situation right there? <laughs> I better right not now? be, the, that oh, better be well, Lori and not a mistress. That was Lori right there. Yep. Okay. She just popped in. Yeah, that's right. That's right. My Fixing goodness. things. <laughs> she said, she said it to the pool. <laughs> All right, oh, have fun, Lori. Go back will be yeah, done in 40 it, minutes. Okay. Anyway, uh, <laughs> gosh. Any, anyway, uh, it's not it's not something that is that is uh, it's uh, new. It's just I think that it's there's a spotlight on this on this because of the the media coverage that we have because of the social media and everybody can kind of like see it instantly, and and everybody's seeing these races. You know, before everybody weren't seeing, everybody was not seeing these races. You had to go there. Now you're getting all these results, all these highlights, all, all the the streaming. Everyone is seeing this stuff, uh, and throw in the fact that it's happened for three, four races in a row at different venues. And I think it kind of is like, hey, what's going on? Um, but uh, I don't. I'm not trying. Let's not discredit what Mike Marler says because the cars are really, really equal right now and they're really close and it's really hard to pass and so uh so you know mike marler could very well be on to something so we'll just have to uh kind of uh, stay tuned and kind of watch and see yeah he was more concerned on saturday night than dale mcdowell was dale mcdowell he's been around this sport for a long time as well he was kind of saying the same thing he says the cars are pretty equal we'll just have to adjust that but he says like open air is just huge and he thinks the arrow is part to do with that but he's not ready to hit the panic button. Kovac, you just said it to open the show. You're not quite ready to hit the panic button. But what are some people in our sport drivers or what are they saying to you or what are you seeing in general? Yeah. Yeah, I I'm not I'm not getting too worried about it. Yeah, again, because hey, maybe there might have been lead changes on Saturday night at at Florence if uh, Chris Madden doesn't bounce on the first lap, starting alongside I mean the top two guys in the sport started alongside each other for the second straight week also. Let's not forget that, you know, and and uh, with, with different formats, too. I mean, they, they started side-by-side at Cedar Lake with the passing points format. They start side-by-side uh, over at, at Florence after uh, running the, the, the double features on Friday and then heat races on Saturday. And, and there they are, still right at the top. So there's something that they have going on that's uh, making them stand out, obviously. And, uh, and, I mean, there's so many other factors, too. I mean, there's the track surfaces. I mean, is the track – sometimes the track surface – I feel like a track service can be too good sometimes, you know, it's like totally nice and smooth. And, you know, I, I like a track like Florence seemed like it didn't have that un like that unruly cushion that it's normally that it normally has where somebody can get up there and and really make a move for just I mean, even if it's only four or five laps, they can just pound away on that cushion and, and, and maybe get into a and get into the lead and make a lead change. So that's what seems like it's been happening at Florence for the last few years. 
uh, and that that didn't, didn't quite seem like it had that. Uh, I mean, does a is the everybody does talk about the uh, you know how the the tra- how the cars are so equal with in the, the air is so big and um, I, I mean I'll sometimes too, but there was there's there's passing in other spots though. I mean it's doesn't like it like there's no like it's just everybody just gets in line and and just runs 100 laps the entire field. Uh, it's usually that good guy that's up front. And, and they always, uh, so, so I th- you have things here that are, uh, I, I'm, it just happens, you know, and, and like, like Robert said, there was a lot of bad races, uh, flag to flags in the past. I mean, I just picked out one, like the Prairie Dirt Classic this year was the first time since 2013 that there wasn't a lead change. 2013, when it went to a hundred laps, that there wasn't a lead change in, in the years before that, there were nine flag to flag races when it was 60 laps or 50 laps or 75. And, uh, and so what's, what's different, you know, and then I'm not talking about one lead change to these hundred laps. There's been multiple up Fairbury usually. Uh, so something's, uh, I, I think one I would like to see. So I hear a lot of guys talk about the tires and when you have one tire for the right rear, uh, for most of these hundred lappers, one hard tire, allowed for the right rear in the feature that doesn't that that really puts everybody even more on an equal footing i mean i kind of want to i i you think you're going to encourage a little more it doesn't matter what arrow's doing i think if some guy has a tire that he gambled on and is going to make a run you know with it you know like maybe he comes in because guys are coming and going and and making moves that you uh instead of just kind of settling in with the same kind of tire and so I would, I kind I would, I do like uh, when you guys can have some different tires and for a big race like that, and and maybe uh, you know shake it up. Somebody can throw a little little gamble at it on the tire front, and maybe that's uh maybe maybe that'll come if like we have a three tire rule. You know, like maybe that 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 seems uh, that they're still talking about uh, having with Hoosier a national tire rule. You can just run all all three of those tires and and not just be restricted to one certain tire, and somebody you know could could gamble that they, uh, you know, maybe even come in late in the race and make some moves. So we'll see, but we're not going to totally worry about it yet. Yeah. Go back. Don't hit the panic button. There's just a few things like Robert's point. Now it's more accessible for people to watch it. So when they see it, they can react instantly on social media. But I will say this, this is the first time in, you know, since I started dirt on dirt where we've had like this big of just disparity of no lead changes. I know you guys said it happened in the past. Uh, is there anything else that caught your eye at the North South 100 before we move on? Because it was basically JD's world. We were living in it, but some other guys made some. Or is there anything else this weekend that you saw that you want to mention? Yes. I mean, for sure at, at Florence, you know, I was really, I think we all were kind of surprised at uh, Josh Rice's inability to compete. You know, um, I think we all think that, it happens, you know, I mean, it, you, you're not going to be on every single time you unload, even though it seems like he has been <laughs> at, at Florence uh, in the last maybe three years. So uh, I think that was kind of surprising for me there at Florence. Um, and uh, it's good to see Daryl Lanigan back out in the car there at Florence as well. Just a, f- a few things, you know, I actually went to, to Duck River on um, – Friday night, I didn't go anywhere on Saturday. Good to see Sam Seawright pick up a, a victory there. A very emotional win for him. Um, 
just a lot of races, a lot of five thousand dollar to win races over the weekend. That that I mean, just a ton for for there to be a big crown jewel. There were still a lot of races uh, happening across the country. So, but uh, but as far as Florence goes, I think the thing that really jumped off the page for me was probably uh, Josh Rice's inability to to get up there and really compete with those guys like we expected him to. Yeah, and a fun little fact by Josh Rice, he was saying that was the slickest and different racetrack he's seen in like two or three years there at Florence Speedway. And he kind of said, hey, it kind of maybe put us behind the eight ball because we race here every single weekend. We know what to expect. But when it does something like that that we've never seen before, especially in two or three years, it definitely affected us. So let's see if he can bounce back, take some notes for next year when they come back. Obviously, he'll always be a threat for all the big shows there. But, yeah, it was a very uh, disappointing uh, performance by Josh Rice, and I'm sure he would say that himself. Kovac, what about you? Any final thoughts before this last week? And I know our boy uh, Jason Fager, he got the big W on the last lap pass. And then a great Saturday big win for him as well. He just, he just keeps dominating up there. Yeah, Saturday, yeah, it's a nice one. Another one, uh, got a second what, second at Path Valley. Uh, how about this? Uh, you know, Pennsylvania boys uh, in, in the weekend, Rick Eckert wins, Greg Saturday wins. I think they just basically, you know, uh, Greg Saturday won on Saturday at Hagerstown. Uh, Eckert on Friday at Path Valley, kind of just switch. I think they were first and second in each of the races. So uh, that that was uh, a pretty neat little uh, juxtaposition there, I guess, of the races. Uh, and, and now this World of Outlaws are coming to their neighborhood, which is, well, let me, I make a note here on this. Uh, Greg Satterley, remember he won, the Outlaws are going to be at Williams Grove Friday, and then they're going to go to Sharon in Ohio on Saturday, and then Tri-City on Sunday. Uh, in Pen- the Pennsylvania Tri City, their first time there in quite a bit, quite a bit of time for the Outlaws. Uh, last year, you remember Greg Satterley won at Williams Grove, the World of Outlaws race, and you'd think, man, Greg Satterley, this is his neighborhood, and he, this is this is his one of his big weekends of the year. He's not even going to be at any of them unless he makes a, a sudden change plan, change of plans. He has a wedding of a buddy up there in Vermont this weekend. So I think that that's a wow. that's kind of a loss for this weekend. I don't you don't really want to not you know you have Greg Siderly missing from I mean that because now he's really the 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 Northeast guy, the Mid Atlantic guy since he doesn't travel probably I mean about as far as he goes now is uh, Eldora. So I mean Rick Eckert will be there, but no Greg Satterley, which is it's just going to be a little strange. Uh, you kind of like pen, you kind of kind of mark him down as going to be in every the field all the time uh, at those races and not this week. He's going to take a weekend off and then be back at it. Uh, of course, another with the next weekend's a $50,000 to win Lucas oil race at Port Royal. So he has another big race in his backyard, but not to see him this weekend is going to be a little bit of a different thing. Uh, I, I think that's a, that, that's very notable. Yeah. It's heartbreak hotel for Saturday neck of the woods heartbreak for the promoters like oh we get a mid-atlantic guy a guy that's local and the fans to see him come out and show out against the woo boys but uh we will get chubb though i think right chubbzilla we'll get him i'll be a big time ad oh he'd be yeah, definitely for chubb i would think chubb is going to be at sharon and tri-city they're they're really close to him i mean if chubb doesn't go to those two and uh bring out some chubb That'd nation along with boom nation uh i would be very surprised chubb, so, bro, i'm not boom sure nation. about williams Grove. Oh, they're right that's right. They'll be, they, yeah, they can, you know, like if they need any cars, they, they just have to like, just go over to boom nation and, and bring some, I mean, they should be able to produce a whole heat race by themselves. Just everybody affiliated with Chubb Frank racing and boom. 
Yeah, we'll see this weekend as Sharon Wu Boys racing three nights out there in the Mid-Atlantic. Also, a big race again, but it's only a two-day show. The Batesville, we're headed for the topless 100. They're making it $50,000 a win on Saturday. But the thing I want to talk about and how beautiful it is, I'm a personal fan of it, is the topless late models. They take the roof off. You can get cool, tight shots of the drivers inside. It kind of you know, it looks like a midget almost. We can see them inside of it, helmet and everything, kind of just how they're holding their head. It's a pretty cool sight to see, isn't it, Robert? And, Robert, I know back in the day you ran a topless uh, late model series, so I think this is kind of special in your heart. I think you're a big fan of the, big fan of the topless late models. I've always liked them. Uh, I thought that they are uh, uh, It's a very unique uh, type of thing for the fans to get to see, especially at Batesville. And, and at Batesville, you're sitting up so high anyway. Uh, you can kind of uh, see down into the cockpit uh, and, and see those guys really working the wheel and stuff. Uh, I think that as a photographer back in the day, I just uh, really loved it also. You know, when I worked at uh, – uh, National Dirt Digest back in the day, and and you you're standing in the infield, and you just like you said, you get that great view of of the drivers, you know, kind of in their element doing what they do. Uh, so I think that uh, that that's one of the coolest sights, and, and it's not the only topless race, you know. There there's the topless fifty that's been around for a long, long time as well. But this is by by far this is this is the topless race. This is this is it. And in honor of the Batesville, I'm I'm actually, you know, Freddie Smith won the very first one in 1993. I'm wearing my Freddie Smith shirt today, my throwback uh, uh, Freddie Smith shirt. Yeah, trying to kind of getting pumped for for Batesville this weekend. Uh, I've been to the, I didn't go last year. I was sick. Uh, COVID knocked me out of my trip, but I've been to the last four or five, and I always, uh, I look forward to the trip uh, out there to Batesville. I look forward, you know. I look forward to the drive, which is a little weird. I look forward. I mean, it's a two-lane road. There's no really great way to get there. Uh, I look forward to the drive, seeing all the countryside, and uh, I look forward to getting out there to Batesville. And I don't look forward to the heat. It's usually really hot in Batesville, Arkansas, in August. I don't look forward to that at all. And in fact, uh, if you look at some of the start times, I think you know it's pushed back. It's pretty late on that Saturday. Um, even with the gates opening and stuff. So I don't think that, uh, you know, you have to get there uh, too tremendously early. But uh, I just, I love walk. I like, I take a bunch of pictures when I'm out there. I, I take pictures of the cars and, and, uh, and just, uh, and check things out. I, I do like it. You're, you're right, uh, Derek. And I think when Mooney first started that race, you know, uh, he wanted to do, when Mooney started the, a longtime baseball promoter who's really done a, a great job with this race and, and is uh, one of the, to me, one of the good guys in the sport, uh, one of the guys who's who's really has the, the sport's best interest at heart. Uh, he's done a great job, and I think when he started this race, he just wanted to do something different. You know, he wanted to do something. You know, everybody was having these $10,000, $20,000 uh, to win races, you know, uh, and it was the same old, same old thing, uh, all the time. And I think he just wanted to do, uh, want to do something different. And he did. I think that first, uh, one in 93 paid $10,000 in fact. Uh, but of course, you know, it drew some of the, the, you know, Bob Pierce ran second, uh, it drew some really good cars and, 
uh, you know, and, and it's had some really, this race has had some really good winners, uh, you know, over the years. So obviously a lot of local talent winning out there at first, uh, you know, uh, Billy Moyer in the early, early years, one, uh, Bill Fry, Wendell Wallace, a uh, lot of, a lot of, and then of course, Scott Bloomquist goes out there, right. And and kind of turns it into his, his own little kind of race over, over the years. But yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting back out there. Yeah, you're right. It is a pretty cool scene out there. Like the little Hills and stuff, like you're surrounded by forest, pretty cool thing. And I, you know, I love the topless light models. Kovac though, I don't think you've ever been to Batesville. Correct me if I'm wrong. What do you think of the topless late models? Do you think it's kind of a gimmick? Do you think it's pretty cool? Or have you really seen topless late models before? I'm sure you've probably seen like topless big blocks or something else. But what's your thoughts on this big uh, race weekend, Bill? Yeah, uh, it, I, I think it's, it's, it does give something. It gives that little – it gives its niche, you know, like in the in the sport. It's the different kind of crown jewel that, you know, you take those tops off and take those roofs off and, and go racing and – uh, and Mooney star, definitely. That was one of the things he, he wanted to, you know, get his own, uh, you know, like set his own little path there with his race. I mean, it, it, it did like when he, he started in 1993 and, and like Robert said, it paid 10,000 to win Freddie Smith won over Bob Pierce. And, and, and it, and it was on a quick trajectory upward. I mean, it was like the next year it paid 15 grand, you know, a couple, two years in a row paid 15 up to 26 grand in 96 up to, you know, Billy Moore won nine, uh, 37 in 97. And it was up to, you know, 46 by 99. So, uh, it, it moved up quickly. Uh, didn't, didn't take too long for him to start paying more money and really get kind of like, you know, get his place on the national schedule, I guess. And, you know, it, the, you, you want to have something that stands out, you know, like when there's so many, especially now, I mean, the, like now there's even more uh, real big crown jewel type races than there's ever been, I mean, more than when the topless 100 started. You need something to kind of make your race stand out and and putting, uh, taking those, taking those tops off and, and letting fans see inside those cars and see those guys running. I mean, it changes the way the cars work a little bit. I mean, I, th- I think I'm, I'm not. I mean, I haven't really seen uh, too many races with that, but I'm the guys to say it really does have an effect on that race car and how it handles and the speeds and everything. And uh, so uh, you have to, you have to kind of, it's, it's not like you just take that roof off, I guess, and, and just go racing. You better be ready for uh, what, what it what could do to your car without, without, uh, you know, having that, having that body work above your head. And I mean, I have heard drivers talk about how they, you know, it's if, if they've never done it, it's it's kind of weird that they were able to look up and see the sky, kind of. You know, and, uh, they're they're used to having a little more uh, uh, coverage over top there, and 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 that makes it a little different for them. Uh, but it's a, it's a, a definitely unique. I don't think it's a gimmick. I mean, kind of you kind of call it a gimmick. Hey, it, it's kind of crazy, you know. But it's not like they're putting big sideboards on their cars or, you know, putting wings on a car or, or doing something, a run what you brung type thing. They're just taking the roof off and doing something different for one weekend a year. And I, I think it really, I, I like it. I mean, it's, it's something that the, the sport, uh, you know, everybody can kind of look forward to that. This is going to be, there's probably some guys that don't like it. I'm sure there's some drivers that hate having a race without a roof. Maybe it messes what they're doing up or something, but, uh, you know, throw a little, it's not the biggest change in the world. Let's make something, make, make something interesting. And, and that's what Mooney has there at Batesville. He has his thing. And now that it pays 50 grand to win too, 
that makes it even that gives that a little extra boost also i i, I like that it's uh you know maybe it's uh you know it gives it a, it gives it like i said it, it, it kept going up so quickly early over the first decade and and now it maybe it, it's kind of gotten the stagnancy there you know so now it's uh uh, now it's back to a, now it's up to a 50 grand and you could say that it's it's still growing now yeah it's good to see that they're raising the purse there 50 grand to win Batesville topless 100s had some vintage moments last year it was a top five race of the year when Hudson O'Neill duked it out with Jonathan Davenport a couple sliders there at the end so that was uh pretty legit as well then we had the Jared Laners 20 I think 2010 he ended up winning Scott Bloomquist post-race interview says as long as I'm concerned, we won the race. I lasted the longest on his tires. So that was a vintage moment as well. The helmet gets thrown in the stands. Just crazy times down there. Robert, you ran a topless late model series, so you're kind of kind of used to this, at least uh, regionally. But what made you decide to go topless? You just thought, hey, this is a cool thing. We need to try it out. And I think the fans enjoyed it as well because they could kind of see what the race car drivers are doing. And also, it's not like kind of those boxy-looking things that we're used to seeing all year long. I think when I, I when I did this, so, you know, keep in mind that I did this 20 something years ago, a long, long time ago, the, there, there was another topless series out there actually that the, uh, and there is a, there's one now, you know, uh, let's not forget that there's the, uh, the vision, I think it's vision wheel topless, uh, outlaws or something. Uh, I think that's the, the full name of that, um, uh, regional it's more of a limited late model deal here in kind of the south um but back then there was the there was toro the uh topless outlaws racing association from like out in kansas i'd never seen those guys never got to see those guys race even during my days of of working at national dirt digest and so i don't honestly i i don't really remember why i just sat down and said hey i think i'll have a mini series and make them you know run without the roof i don't know i think i just loved the way the cars looked personally i think that was just a, a personal thing for me and 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 that's why i did it i don't think that uh there wasn't a what i don't even know if there's a lot of brainstorming i'm just like hey i think i'll do this and and I did it, and it was uh, moderately successful. It wasn't uh, obviously, it, obviously, it wasn't tremendously successful, or I would have continued to do it. But uh, it was, it was moderately successful for the for the one year I did it, eight races, seven or eight races, and uh, had a lot of a lot of good local talent run my stuff, and I'm thankful for those guys that supported it. Uh, but they, they uh, God, that's been twenty. 22 20 years ago 22 years ago something like that it's been a, it's been a long time ago uh derek that that uh time flies for sure but yeah i don't a, a funny story about i was living in a, a neighborhood uh back then and uh of course i had flyers and stuff and uh i got a phone call one night this lady was irate because one of my flyers had topless racing league had made her made its way into her yard she was furious that i would be you know living in that neighborhood and promoting such a thing of of top you know people being topless and i'm like lady it's ma'am it's 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 the cars uh 
the cars don't have a roof. That's why it's they're called topless. And it's people. It's not people. It's not a strip club. It's not, you know, it's nothing like that. It's it's the cars don't have a roof. That's why they're called topless. And I said, by the way, how did you get my flyer? Well, my dog, my dog got into your trash and brought it back to my house. So wait, your dog was in my fenced in yard rummaging through my trash and you have the, and literally turned my trash over and took half my bag back to her yard. And yet she has the nerve to call me complaining about, you know, that I'm running some kind of risque, risque business out of my house there, you know, back there in the, in the pristine neighborhood of Hilldale Estates in Fayetteville, Tennessee. But anyway, uh, I thought that was pretty funny. It's the first time I ever got a, it's the only time I ever got a phone call for someone complaining about the, the, the topless, uh, you know, topless stuff. But, uh, yeah, I don't really have a, I don't have an explanation of why I did that. I just love the way the damn cars look, man. They, they're, they're badass. I like them. I think it's, I think they look cool. They looked cool back then. And I just think it's cool. Yeah. I think their motto is topless is always better. So maybe she just got a little confused there when you, uh, had that flyer and you're a jack of all trades writer promoter uh dad you can do it all robert so i appreciate that and all the hard work you've done in the racing throughout the years uh kovac you've never been right to topless batesville nope never been to topless i mean i've been to like so, i don't all right that's all really i don't think i've ever been to a topless late bottle race well, i thought i did I, i've been to one I, I have been to one yeah i, I have not, not even been to a topless to one okay that brings me to my next point you're not officially a dirt on dirt worker unless you go to the topless yeah, 100. It is like an initiation kind of thing. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I've been able to avoid that one, I guess, because there's usually, uh, you know, out, that's usually a weekend. There's, well, I think it's every time that there's been, that I've been, since I've been with dirt on dirt, there's always been World of Outlaws races right in my backyard. Yeah. You know, I mean, well, that, that's the you. time. Yeah, I got three races that are within an hour, hour and a half from me. And so that's, uh, that doesn't happen too often. And so it happens to fall all the time on topless 100 weekend. So it's not like I'm, it's not like I'm skipping the topless to go, uh, somewhere else really, really far or something, you know? So at least I got, I got big races right near me too. Hey, uh, Kevin, have you ever, have you ever been to the national 100? I've been to the national 100 though. So I think that that okay. counts. I remember the that one is, year was like is... Millard and I actually did like the, well, I had to help him out with the, it was one of the early uh, pay-per-views I think. And uh, so I was there and it was long and it was a long day. <laughs> so I, I got that's to experience a real the national 100. Initiation. That, that's a hardcore initiation. So you you definitely, I was going to say you, you, you cannot go to Batesville before you go to, to Phoenix City, because yes. you, if you're going to be initiated into this sport, you got to go to the National 100 first before you get to go to Batesville. Yeah, we just it didn't yeah. have the heat. That's all. No heat there, but you do have the cold. I remember everybody at the National 100. There's all these people up in the stands with their little heaters and stuff. So I'm like, oh yeah, this is a this this is a I've never seen that before with all the heaters in the stands. All right, who's going to be your winner now, Kovac? Before we get to one more thing, is it going to be? Pick somebody else besides JD. We're gonna go against him. <laughs> yeah, we get the field. Well, let's go. Yeah. Well, what? What? And it will go. Yeah, the field other than JD, which I kind of got a feeling JD might get this one though. I mean, it's it's kind of unbelievable that he hasn't won it yet because uh, he's been so uh, you know he's won just about everything else, and that's his 
hometown you know, hometown track for his car owner. But okay, if if JD doesn't win, I go uh, Brandon Overton. I just feel like he's uh, gone on a you know he he's getting back on. He keeps keeps running right up north towards the front here. Got another second place finish uh, over there at uh, at Florence. Um, that could be his. I I will go with Brandon Overton for my pick for the topless. Robert Holman, the topless guru, who's been going the last few years. You've seen the racetrack, how it goes. Anybody but JD, who you got? I am going to uh, keep picking Tim McCready till he wins one of these damn races that I pick. Uh, so so Tim McCready, uh, he's he's either gonna hate me for picking him all the time or he's going to come through for me and win one of these races and I can move on. But T-Mac for the win. Ooh, we don't need, we don't need T-Mac running second and third at all these events. He gets a little cranky there. So we need him to maybe, you know, get out there and get a big win, but he's always decent pick for the hundred lappers. I would go with Chris Madden, but he's got the next three weekends off. So you know what that means? He's putting all his cards and all his chicken or his eggs or whatever, the chicken in a hatch, what do you call it? Something like that. He's ready to go for the Eldora for the two weeks. So he's, uh, I mean, he wouldn't be my pick, but you guys, I punked you there. I, I'm going to pick JD. He's going to win it. So I was just like, I didn't want you guys to pick him. No, I'm going to go with Hudson. What, he's going to win back. Robert, back. what the heck was that? Jeez. That's, it's terrible. Gosh. And, and you know, I has, I don't think anyone's ever won a back to back topless 100, Derek. Do you know that? You realize so I'm gonna that, go right? with Hudson. He's gonna win it. He's gonna win it. I don't he'll be the first one ever. I feel like his cars are right. pretty good here. Last couple uh weekends. He obviously had a good July. He's running up front. I think Hudson O'Neill is gonna win back to back if we can't pick JD. So there you go. I think Huddy will get another <laughs> topless one hundred win. All right. One more thing. Robert, what do you got, Stud Muffin? Uh just one today, and it's just something that uh that that I had to go back and look look back up. Uh that I, I was wanted to make sure I got my facts uh right. One of my favorite races out there in Iowa, uh the Yankee Dirt Track Classic. Uh they're not gonna hold the race this year, uh, which is uh which is kind of disappointing. Um, you know, that that race has been uh that race has been going on since like nineteen seventy eight or something like that. Um, it's been run, I think 2018 was the only time that it hasn't ran, uh, since then. So, um, uh, uh, that's disappointing 300 raceway, the Yankee dirt track classic, one of those, one of those big Iowa events, uh, it's not going to happen this year. And, and it's basically, they said it's tire expenses and shortages and, uh, just, I think the economy, you know, uh, so uh, unfortunately that we lose that race this year. So, uh, so maybe they can bounce back and, and come back and, and be better than ever next year. Yeah. Such a historic event in the state of Iowa. Uh, a lot of great winners. If you go check out the history page, Kaziski's won it, Burke offer, Chad Simpson, obviously probably Billy Boyer, if I had to guess, um, one cool story about that. When dirt on dirt first started, Michael Rigsby had to go grind. During Todd Turner's wedding, he didn't get invited. He had to go uh, cover the Yankee Dirt Classic. So that's kind of a cool thing as well. And Rigsby will never let Todd Turner uh, down on that one, that he didn't get invited to the wedding. He thought they were closer friends than they were, and he had to go cover the Yankee Dirt Classic. So a cool little nugget there from that track up there in Farley. My one more thing is just want to give a shout-out to – Father Jerry Rice. I mean, if you have never, ever talked to this guy, this guy 
is one of the nicest people in the pit area. Gave me a few beers on Friday after doing one lap, one beer with his sons. He had great stories for days. He sounds exactly like his son, uh, James, when they talk, but he's just one of the good guys in our sport. And if you ever had the chance to go up to him and talk to him in the pits, if you're uh, checking out the sons, go up. He has stories for days. He ran Eldora all the time. He ran Florence all the time. So I just wanted to give uh, Father Jerry Rice a shout-out. He's the man, and uh, thank you for your hospitality this past weekend at Florence Speedway. So that is my one more thing. Kovac, finish this off strong, buddy. Well, I get to send a little rest in peace out here, uh, little condolences to uh, someone's family. It's uh, uh, Rex Mars Camp. You know, you, everybody knows him, I think, in the pit area as Sexy Rexy. I uh, used to write for the uh, Mid-American News back in the day. And, uh, I mean, I know you and Derek, and we, we've seen, we saw him at a lot of summer nationals races at, uh, at, during one stretch. I used to see him all, you know, used to see him all the time at all these Midwest shows from Indiana. Uh, go sexy Rexy. Everybody seemed like they knew him. And he was always, uh, you know, everybody's joking around with, uh, with, with Rex in the pits. And I'd see him at Eldora also. And, uh, unfortunately, he passed away last week at the age of 65. I guess he'd been having some health problems. So I hadn't seen him. Last thing, I think the last time, I think Derek might have seen him too. I think we saw him at Shady Hill a few years ago at a at the yeah. He was always at national race. He was always at like the Northern Indiana, Northern Illinois ovals, like Kankakee, Shady Hill, Crown Point. I remember my earliest memories was just seeing him in the pit area with the notepad, or sitting in the stands front row with his notepad. Doing interviews. So he was always up there in that Kankakee Shady Hill area, but that's a so that's probably the last time we saw him was Shady Hill go back. Yeah, that's right. I think that he had kind of cut back, especially at that point. I think Shady Hill was his closest track uh, to home, and you know he's uh he he was a character, and uh, yeah, well, uh, to, like rest in peace to to, to sexy Rexy. Huh? If you subscribe to any of those any of the papers back in the day. Uh, you you know that name. That name was he. He was at so many events and stuff, and covered so so many so much stuff through the Midwest. Uh, so I, I never had a chance to meet him, uh, Kevin. But if you if you subscribe to any of those papers, you read his stuff and you 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 knew his name. That's for sure. Hey, yeah, go back to the Eldora Millions original Eldora Eldora Million story. Uh, it has his byline on it. Uh, like in, in the mid-American paper. So, yeah, he was he was around. He always, like Derek said, he always had that notebook with him, and he's a, he, was a, he, he was a character. Well, Kovac, you got in trouble one time for yelling at him in the Eldora press box. You're like, sexy Rexy, what's up, buddy? How's it going? And you guys are talking, and Riggs began to say, hey, we're in a press box here. Kind of keep it down a little bit there, Kovac. You got, you got excited hey. when you saw Rex. The guy always got excited with him, you know, like he was always a, he's always a talkative guy. You know, I, I still remember, I think the first time I met him was at Farmer City when I was with the World of Outlaws. I had just bought a, uh, a bag of, uh, of kettle corn, you know, over at the concession stand. And uh, I'm standing there during the driver's meeting in the pits and sexy comes up and I mean, I always call him sexy. I mean, it's like he, that's what he, he walks up and he says, Hey, you're going to open that up. You know, I'm like, all right, hey Rex, you want some? Here's some, here's some kettle corn for you. I think he was uh, very straightforward there. He wanted us some kettle corn. He like when he saw it. So I gave uh, Rex. I think I'm pretty sure that was one of the first times I met him too. So uh, Rex, uh, I'm gonna eat some kettle corn for you. Yeah, one of the you know stars and legends of uh, media here in the Midwest, and obviously everybody read his stuff back in the day. We uh, wish his family the best, and uh, we'll always remember. Rex. Uh, well, guys, 
It's a great show. Good little uh, threesome here. Uh, the Three Musketeers are going to be calling us here by the end of the week. For the Dirt Reporters, this weekend we're live at Batesville. Robert will be there. We'll have uh, full coverage of the World of Outlaws. We'll have recaps and video from there. Um, we'll have plenty of other stuff on Flow Racing regional shows as well. Plenty of content on both websites at DOD and Flow Racing. Be sure to check it out. Thank you for listening. I know, Robert, I did it right this time. I didn't say thanks for watching. Until next time, we'll see you next week.